I just went out and, and did it because I was like, this is a thing that people do and they're really proud of it when they do it. And so I did it. I, I felt normal. I wasn't like, I wasn't dying like I was when I did a mile. And that in itself just became this like, maybe I do love this thing. Like I love this a feeling that I've, there were so many, there's a lot of layers with love of running. It's like, I did this thing and I accomplished something that was very hard. And I went out of my comfort zone through a lot of that run and I accomplished this thing. And then there's like, I feel so much more connected to my body. Whereas before when I was so overweight, like I had no idea what was going on. Like I almost wish like sometimes when I have a stomach ache now, and I'm so in tune with that stomach ache. I'm like, I know it was because I had Brussels sprouts two hours ago. And like before, if I had had like a pizza the night before the next day, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. But like, if I were me in my body now back then, I wonder if I would have been like, oh my God, this is awful. I'm in so much pain. My head's in a fog. Like, I always wonder that because I don't know, maybe I was just so numb to it because that was a daily thing that was happening. And I mean, I was eating out for every meal. I was having two meals at once, you you name it. And now I'm so in tune. I'm so aware with what I put into my body because I see food so differently now than I did back then. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. It's a world that begins with each one of us. It's a place where people are stepping into their innate courage to awaken what is holding them back in life and step into what brings them more joy and contentment with who they are. For some, it's as simple as a few minutes a day dedicated to something they love. For others, it's a massive physical and mental transformation. But regardless of its size, all positive change matters because it affects how we move through the world and that affects the world at large. We have the power to make the changes we desire and it's stories like that of today's guests that are assisting others in flaming the spark of their evolution. Indigenous Choctaw ultra runner Callie Vinson is our guest today. She is an advocate for body inclusivity and positivity in running and her voice is gaining more visibility as her story of losing over 200 pounds continues to grow. While active in her early years, Callie adopted a lifestyle in college that left her staring down an early death sentence. It was a reality her physician brought to her attention more than once, but it wasn't until she faced a one-mile walk to brunch that she decided to change. A decade later... We find Callie on the other side of numerous ultra running events, including the Moab 240, and currently she's gearing up for the iconic Western States 100 Endurance Run this coming June, where she will represent the indigenous advocacy nonprofit Rising Hearts and Goo Energy Labs. We've been looking forward to this conversation as we dive into the story of a woman who took charge and created herself a better world inside and out. Callie Vinson, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. All right, well, let's dive right into the Western States. I'm super stoked that you're going to be um, participating in that. We actually just had a few ultra runners on who were also going to be there, Heather Jackson and yeah. Keeley. Um, what does it feel like? <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's been a dream for a long time, almost a dream that you're just like, that's never going to happen, but maybe. And then all of a sudden, one Friday afternoon, I get an email from uh, Jordan from Rising Heart saying, we have this entry. Would you like it? And I had been considering going back to Cocodona for redemption after what happened uh, last like, yeah, last year. Um, and Cocodona is May, early May. 
and Western States is late June. And I knew that those were both, those are both very big events. And so if I wanted to excel or finish both of them the way that I would like to, there was no way I could choose both. So within a minute, I responded back and said, I'm in. So I was very excited. I, I couldn't believe that the opportunity presented itself. And yeah, here we are in March, still training, still healthy, still going strong, getting ready for this event. What is it about Western States? Like, what is it? What's the draw? What's the draw for you? I think the draw for me is, and I was talking to Jordan about this, what was that, yesterday? And it didn't really cross my mind until yesterday. But when I was at the very beginning stages of my weight loss journey, I was, I think it was right after my my first race, which was the 2016 Chicago Marathon. I was sitting in the doctor's office for, you know, just a regular appointment. And I was in the waiting room and on the table, they had a runner's world magazine um, just on the table. And so I picked it up and I started flipping through it. And I saw this picture and a little article about Western States. And I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, a hundred miles. And also, oh my gosh, a hundred miles on trail. Like that's insane. Like I had just finished my first marathon in October. And I was like, this, how in the world are people doing this? And so that became my intro, actually Western States into ultra trail running. So I was saying yesterday, this is kind of coming full circle and that that first just glimpse of the ultra trail running world is now something that I'm actually training for. So I think the specialness is that it was in the very beginning of my journey and now here it is, um, a race I'm actually going to (laughs) do. Well, let's go back to the beginning. I, I hinted a little bit to your story and told some of the, you know, the turning points there, but um, you know, these warnings that you were getting from your doctors, they weren't, they, they weren't making you change. Mm-mm. No, but was there, you know, were there times in, in the middle of the night or when you were by yourself that maybe some of that information was see, seeping in? Like, was there any kind of fear around what they were telling you? I mean, you've always heard stories of, you know, people, you know, experiencing an early death because of an unhealthy living uh, style, either because of their weight or, you know, things they were eating or just being sedentary. And I knew that, I knew that was a thing. I knew that was a a possibility, but it never really seemed like a possibility for me because I just was, you know, I felt young and, and just, you know, I could do anything and just bounce back and I'd be fine. But getting into late twenties, at, you know, barely able to walk around the block or whatnot, it became a more realistic um, ending for me that maybe not being able to walk very far or having trouble breathing, going up the stairs. Those were just early signs, little, little red flags for me that something later down the line was going to get even more serious. And, you know, your doctor tells you to do this and that, and you're like, yeah, okay, maybe it's kind of like your dentist telling you to floss. And you're like, yeah, going to do that. And it, it never became a really big red flag for me or something that I actually needed to act on until I always say the story when my friend asked me to go to brunch And of course I had to look up where it was and see what I was going to order before I get there. And they said that, yeah, we'll just walk there. And I looked up, it's about a mile away. And in my mind, I was like, there's absolutely no way that I can walk a mile to go meet my friend for brunch. That's just, I would die on the way. (laughs) And that in itself was the flag that made me 
take action and made me start making small changes. Um, not really knowing how to start, but I just started with something. Oh yeah. That's, that's definitely a thread we want to pull upon. But the part of the story that I haven't heard is, did you walk to brunch? Like, how did you get to brunch that day? I think I actually Ubered. (laughs) Yeah. You Ubered. Um, That was in Chicago. There was an Uber everywhere. (laughs) And looking back now, were there, can you see that there were things in your life that you, you know, more than just not being able to walk to brunch that you were, I guess, for the lack of a better word, like missing out on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think because I moved to Chicago, I had all these big goals and big dreams for myself of like being able to be that city girl who just walks around from like work to, to back home and stops at these shops all along the way. And, you know, maybe goes over there to check out the fountain or maybe there's a festival that weekend. I could go walk to it and have an adventure. And being that city girl, I realized that I, I, there's no way I could do it. I would have to live this limited city girl lifestyle where I'd have to drive everywhere or get a friend to give me a ride or, or whatnot. But it, running was never on the radar. It was never a thing until that day at brunch where I was like, I came and walk a mile. I'm, that just means I'm never going to be able to run. Like if I can't walk a mile, there's no way I could be, I could run half a mile. And I'm a pretty stubborn person when it comes to setting a goal and going after it. I, I hate giving up and I don't like, I won't let very, very little things I'll let in my way. And so once that brunch incident happened and this realization, I need to start making changes and I actually started making those changes. Um, the idea of running was on the radar. I'd always been a, a sporty girl when I was a kid, I played sports. I was in soccer and I, I was a rower for a long time. I actually almost went to, to Berkeley to be a rower. Um, but I went to art school <laughs> and then, um, just knowing that running was always a, a limit for me and something that was impossible. I just made it a goal to make it possible. And so that became like this carrot that I dangled in front of myself to go after and, and try to, and try to tr- conquer, I guess. Yeah. And I think it takes stubbornness to, you know, to realize what you have realized since that day. So, so you said that that was like the turning point. Was it, was it a turning point that you were cognizant of in that moment? Like, was there dialogue around any of this at that brunch that day? No, absolutely not. (laughs) I think it's like all these goals, they just kind of happened organically along the way because each goal that I accomplished, open the door to another one that I never thought was possible. And so it's, it always started small. It always started with small changes that led to just, you know, a, a bigger thing happening or a bigger accomplishment. But yeah, I never really, I mean, definitely when I was in the very beginning stages, never thought I'd be an ultra runner. That even wasn't even, didn't even know that it existed. <laughs> but I think that day at brunch, it just became, okay, I have to just start doing something. And that's something ended up being making my breakfast every day. Like if I can just do, I call it the two week test. Um, and it's in actually the born to run two book called the two week test where you just start with one tiny little change and just do that for two weeks. Don't worry about anything else. And so that's what I kind of, what I did was start making my breakfast. And once that became a habit for two weeks, then, okay, I started incorporating this next tiny little thing, which became lunch and then became dinner. And then eventually I got a gym membership because I'd always heard that's what healthy people do. And it was a very terrifying moment for me to even walk in there and be like, I would like to be a member, please. And 
I don't know, it just became this momentum, this very slow momentum that built and became this thing where, where I am now, which I never knew was going to be a thing. So I, I love it. And listening to some st- stories you've, sh- you've shared on that, this momentum, you know, is such a huge piece of something that we believe in uh, a little bit every day over a long mm-hmm. period of time is an ethos we, we firmly believe in. So how does someone who's stubborn, and I see that as like motivated or determined or willful too, you know, not just stubborn. Um, how do how did, how did you, or were you balancing the all or nothing? Cause a lot of people are into that all or nothing. I'm just going to go big, like mm-hmm. Moab 240, I'm not going to do a, you know, a, a half marathon versus believing that you can make these small commit to these small changes and they're and trust that they're going to take you, um, further along. Like, did you play a, uh, both sides of that ever? Like I, I say that I always make small changes and I just focus on the small change, but in the back of my mind, I usually know that there's going to be something bigger to eventually work towards. And I've kind of been the person who's not afraid to just jump in, to just like jump off the cliff and build my wings as I go. When I uh, left college, I had an internship um, opportunity in Chicago and that's how I ended up moving to Chicago and I had no no friends there. I knew no one. Um, I had no place to stay, really. Um, I did have someone who I knew from college who lived there and had an apartment. And I, I told my mom, like, I have to do this. And I packed two suitcases and I just crashed on his couch for like a couple months. And eventually I had like a place, a, a little bedroom in there. And I got like a, a blow up uh, pool floaty from Walmart. And that was my bed for like four months or something. I just, I just kept figuring it out as, as it went on. And just, I knew that I wanted to go after this thing, which was being a city girl in Chicago. And I just figured it out on my, or on my way to that, that accomplishment, I guess you could call it, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that, that, that answers it. I just, I love that you can play in both worlds. I love that, that you're, the mentality isn't an all or nothing mentality. Like you're firmly gripped on it has to be everything or it's gotta be nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think you can have that big goal, whatever it is, your internship, Chicago girl, 240. But there's so many things that need to happen day to day, presence, aware of it, build mm-hmm. momentum. Yeah. I think that's what, what's become my um, quote unquote motivation while I'm trying to accomplish something is putting that big carrot out there to work towards. So for instance, it was Mo- Moab 240 for a while. I knew that you just can't jump right in and go for it. But doing those small little steps along the way to build up and, and, and learn and, and grow and um, just start becoming the person who would do that big thing at like moving to Chicago or running the Moab 240. I think for me, just knowing what the big picture is at the end, plus my stubbornness to get there, I know that just doing small little changes along the way will get me there. It what those small changes are, I, I just know that I'm going to figure it out along the way. I don't know how, but when I get there, I'll figure it out. <laughs> so you've got this really strong will and, and determination and stubbornness and, and stubbornness in a good way. Um, I'm sure it's been your enemy too, but um, where does this drive come from or what inspires you to just to continue to, to move forward? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it's come from, but it's been something that I guess I've always 
I don't know, I've always had that little personality trait, even as a kid. My mom would even tell me, like, even when you were young, like, if you set your mind to something, there was no stopping Callie to get what she wanted. And I think that was just something that I, I did as a kid, and it's grown into something that I, I keep doing as an adult. But I don't, there's just something about giving up that I just don't like. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's so hard to unpack or explain, but I don't know. The only way to, to put a label on it is just I'm stubborn. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, how you got into running. So you joined the gym and mm-hmm. this I'm assuming is another thing that you had no idea what to do, but you got the gym membership, which was the first step. <laughs> and, yeah. and what did your gym experience look like? So I, like I said, I, I was, uh, into sports when I was a kid. And when I got this gym membership, I knew I was not going to go on the treadmill, but I would get on the elliptical that seemed approachable and, and doable. And so I would start with just like 30 minutes at a time, get on the tread or the elliptical, sweat a little bit, and then run home, um, get out of there. Definitely don't go in the weight room. Cause that was way too intimidating, but I just kept building up. I would do, you know, 30 minutes on the elliptical, maybe 45, and then I'd build up to an hour. Maybe I'd do the elliptical and then start doing the stairmaster or something. Um, maybe I would stretch a little bit before and after I was really learning everything as I went. Um, but it was maybe like three months after this, uh, consistency that I, in my mind, I was like, okay, we're going to do this running thing. And I started with my block that I lived on in Chicago and I would just try and run around it without stopping. And I would only do this in the very early morning or late at night when it was dark. Cause I never wanted anyone to see me or to judge me of what I looked like running, because I'm sure it just didn't look like what a runner would look like. And so I would do that early morning and it took a long time for me to build up to just run around the block without stopping and not feeling like I was going to die afterwards. Um, I had absolutely no idea what pace meant. I had no fitness watch. I had only, the only like good decision I made was going to a fleet feet and get them to find a shoe for me. And I got the, the Nike, uh, Pegasus. Was that? Yeah. It was Nike Pegs, Mm -hmm. the like OG running shoe. (laughs) And I remember they were neon green and I loved it. And, I mean, I kept doing that until I, you know, went around the block and, and wasn't stopping. Then I would add another block and then I would add another block and just keep building and building and just finding myself in love with this thing called running, this thing that I had always hated. I mean, that's why I was a rower back in high school because you're in a boat. So I figured there's probably a little amount of running to it. I did not like running at all. And when I played soccer, I was always the goalie because the goalie stayed there and didn't run back and forth. <laughs> So running became this thing for me to conquer because I always felt like if I could conquer running, then maybe I could conquer anything. And when I had all these dreams in the big city, that idea of like going out and accomplishing and conquering was just like burned in my brain. Um, I work in advertising and just like, it's such a competitive field where everything is very fast paced and you've got to be creative on the spot. So this idea of just like nailing it or crushing it was just always something that got me really excited. So when it came to running that, that just, um, translated into my passion for running and lo and behold, it's built up to be an ultra running thing, but it started with just trying to run around the block. (laughs) 
how is your body responding to this? So when you're carrying that much weight, what mm-hmm. was the first of all, what was the height of your weight? What was the highest that you know you got to? It got up to 377, so almost 400. And luckily, because I started with food changes first and then started going into um, exercising, I lost a little bit, maybe like 20, 30 pounds, I want to say. Um, but it was still, I was still heavy. And that was a lot of weight on my joints and bones that was not used to this at all. And I want to say within like the first, the first six months I got an injury, I got a a stress fracture in my knee, which is a, it was so painful. (laughs) It was so painful. I've had stress fractures in my feet. Um, now that I'm more of a seasoned runner, but I remember that first injury was, it was not good. <laughs> Went to the doctor, had my scan. They told me what it was. I was off of running and exercising for a bit, but once it was healed, I, I still had to keep after this thing and, and figuring it out. So I would do more research, looking on like Runner's World or, or whatever kind of um, site I could find to just find a running plan or some kind of I don't know, science behind building up or pace or shoes you should wear or clothes you should be wearing or running form. I looked at so many YouTube videos on running form just to see if I was doing it right more so. And then also if like I could do it better. Um, The idea of running with a group or training with a group was absolutely terrifying to me. I I mean, I was still trying to build up the courage to run in the daylight. Um, But I, I, Eventually, I got confident enough to run the treadmill at the gym in the daylight or right after work, and it just became this thing that kept building with like confidence and distance and speed all at once. Did it have any uh, impact, you know, being in advertising and creative, like did it have any impact on the way that you navigated work? Because as you build up energy and this confidence, mm-hmm. like your creativity juices must be, must be flowing. Yeah, I... I definitely felt a confidence boost more and more as this journey went on um, and presenting because when you're in advertising, I work on the creative side as a writer, you're constantly pitching your ideas. And these are like your babies. Like you, you spent the weekend on this idea and you, ha- you believe in it. So going up in front of a room of people of your peers and presenting it and hoping that they love it. I mean, it takes a lot of confidence and it takes a lot of guts to just like get up there and talk about it and hope that people love it. Um, and I, the more and more this journey progressed, the more confident I got in doing that. My presenting skills got better because I was more confident. I wasn't timid. And then ideas, I found that brainstorming while running was like perfect. There was, And there was just something I would do before running is I would get on the L in Chicago, the train and just ride it and just brainstorm in my mind. There was something about forward motion that just brought me to new, fresh ideas constantly. And the old ideas were going behind me. Some, I don't know what, it, there's some, something there, but I would, I translated that to running and kind of doing two at one at the two at once at the, on like on weekends. And I don't, I, yeah, I, it was kind of interesting to, to figure that out. Oh yeah. That's like, all the great ideas come when you're running and it, that is like, yeah. Oh my God, I got to remember them. I got to remember. Oh them. I have nowadays I have at least like five different notes in my phone for just ideas that I have with running with like social media, whatnot. I mean, it's, it's a hodgepodge mess in there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the brain on running. Yeah. How is the, how is the reception at work? You're making this massive transformation. Um, were people supportive? Did you ever feel like anybody was like, jealous of the success you were having? 
I never really felt like anyone was jealous. I felt everyone was very supportive. Um, where, I'm trying to think where I started. Yeah. When I first started my running journey, I was at a very small shop. Um, and it was probably like a creative team of like seven people, very tiny. And everyone was just so supportive, so supportive. And my art director partner, she was always like, oh my gosh, because her and I, we were almost like the same, um, both overweight. She also, we like ate the same kind of stuff. We'd always go out to lunch and, and get what we wanted and come back and eat and just like have a time. And it's funny because she also, because of me went on a weight loss health journey of her own. And like her and I still like share stories about, about that. But anyway, everyone at that agency was very supportive. And I went to a big agency, um, Leo Burnett and everyone there also hugely supportive, loved, loved it, loved hearing my running stories. One of the other art directors was also in for the Chicago marathon. So we would share our stories together. Like, Oh my God, I did my long run this weekend. How far did you go? And just, it it was just became a thing where like everyone was so invested in the journey because it was leading up to like, Oh my gosh, guys, I signed up for a marathon and they were like, what? So it became this thing that we would talk about in creative meetings when you're just, you know, like shooting the shit or whatever. But it, it was very nice to have that supportive uh, community that wasn't a part of running because I hadn't built a running community yet. I only had my peers of creatives. So it was very interesting. Do you feel like, do you feel like you've kind of created this not by on purpose, but just because of your own energy and focus, like you've created this environment around you that actually supported every move or every, mm, every moment of progress that you made, like, because your intention was so strictly like, I got to go for this big thing, mm-hmm. sort of manifested the whole experience. Yeah. I, I don't know how that community came about. I think it was, you know, when you're a creative and advertising, advertising is your whole life. And I remember when I first started in, in the advertising world, I was so invested in just like climbing the corporate ladder, like, putting all of my energy and even energy I didn't even have into this one thing. And now I was the one person, the creative team who found this other passion and was balancing both. And I was happy at both. Like I was happy both in this crazy industry of advertising. I was happy both trying to be a runner, trying to do this whole new thing. And I think just like someone within our world branching out and like trying something new and just like blending your two passions together. How many passions you have became this, I became like an inspiration piece or maybe to other people to go out and find their passion or go out and find something to balance this lifestyle um, and find a more sustainable lifestyle too. So maybe it just became an organic community. (laughs) I hope. Mm -hmm. Can you feel into like the turning point where, cause you're saying like, you know, I was running around the block, just trying to get to a point where I didn't feel like I was going to die afterwards to <laughs> now where it's like, you love it and you light up when you're talking about it. And I've been watching your videos and your reels and they're funny. And they're, it's like, it's, there's so much of you that's coming out now through this. And do you remember like, was there like, what was the turning point where it became like, okay, I have to lose weight. I might die. Can't walk to brunch. Um, got to get around the block before, you know, without dying to, I love this. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, I think it was around the point where probably when I actually signed up for the marathon, because I remember when I did that, I had just one day set out 
and this was before I even had thought about tra- a training group or running with others. I went out and ran 13.1 miles because I had heard that's what a half marathon is. And I just did it on my own. I was probably wearing all cotton head to toe. I didn't have a hydration vest or anything. I had my like Puma fanny pack um, that was filled with like nuts or dry oatmeal or who knows what. I didn't even have a water bottle. <laughs> and I just went out and, and did it because I was like, this is a thing that people do and they're really proud of it when they do it. And so I did it and I was, I, I felt, you know, normal. I wasn't like, I wasn't dying like I was when I did a mile and that in itself just became this, like, maybe I do love this thing. Like I love this, a feeling that I've, there were so many, there's a lot of layers with love of running. It's like, I did this thing and I accomplished something that was very hard. And I went out of my comfort zone through a lot of that run and I accomplished this thing. And then there's like, I feel so much more connected to my body. Whereas before when I was so overweight, like I had no idea what was going on. Like I almost wish like sometimes when I have a stomach ache now and I'm so in tune with that stomach ache, I'm like, I know it was because I had Brussels sprouts two hours ago. And like before, if I had had like a pizza the night before the next day, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. But like, if I were me and my body now back then, I wonder if I would have been like, oh my God, this is awful. I'm in so much pain. My head's in a fog. Like, I always wonder that because I don't know, maybe I was just so numb to it because that was a daily thing that was happening. And I mean, I was eating out for every meal. I was having two meals at once, you you name it. And now I'm so in tune. I'm so aware with what I put into my body because I see food so differently now than I did back then. Um, so that's another reason why I love running because it's connected me to my body so much. And then I also love running because it's brought me to this community that I had no idea existed and everybody supports each other and everybody loves what everyone else is doing. And like, if you're going to go out and set a 200 FKT, you go do that 200 miles and people are just so supportive and happy. And maybe it's the the endorphins and serotonin, but it's another reason to love it. Yeah, totally. We're all addicted to those those chemicals that get released from the brain, yeah. for sure. <laughs> where did the where did the reframe happen with the food? Where where did like where did it look like going out was doing mm-hmm. this, but then like oh well, there's spinach and broccoli over here. Like where did that shift happen? I think it happened um, maybe like after my first hundred miles. After I lost my first hundred miles or hundred pounds. Um, <laughs> I started just seeing food differently. And I think that's because I've started doing so much research in food. I was like, wait, if I eat this vegetable, it's going to do this, this, and this for me. Versus if I go get McDonald's French fries and dip it in mayo, it's not going to do any of that for me. (laughs) I know (laughs) it's European apparently, (laughs) but I started seeing food differently and then connecting, see how I see it and knowing what it was doing for my body. And then also feeling what it was doing for my body. This connection just became so strong and so attuned that then I just started to become so aware of whatever I was putting And there. I mean, it became a point where I, I like it, it went, I'm a person of extremes. <laughs> so it came to a point where like, I was so aware that I would never go out to eat. I would never order out like, even like on a, like a, day where I was just like, Oh, I would love to just have like a salad from this restaurant. I wouldn't even do that because I didn't know what salad dressing they were using, but I've found balance now, (laughs) but along that journey, it went both ends of the spectrum. Um, but yeah, I lost track of what you, (laughs) yes. It sounds like your perspective shifted from Mm -hmm. like 
I don't know what, what you thought food was before, but it's certainly shifted to food mm-hmm. is fuel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Before food was just a pleasure. It was just that serotonin. And now I see food as like a superpower. Like if you eat the right things in a different combination, or if you eat the right things because it's raw or because it's processed this way, it becomes a super power into how you want the output of that to be. Like it becomes this extra for me now, a training piece into performing better for a 10 mile run that I got to do on trails, or it becomes something that just like heals my headache. It becomes this thing that like gets the most out of my body now. Well, uh, staying with the, with the topic of fuel, I know you're paired up with Goo Energy Labs and Mm -hmm. they, uh, support, us, they support Team Yogi Triathlete. They have for years. They're incredible. We've gone up to their, you know, place up in Berkeley and toured mm-hmm. it all. And um, so, yeah, what's your experience been like using their fuel and also just the relationship with them? Oh my gosh, they've been so supportive of of what I'm doing and training for Western States and even before training, like because I'm on Instagram a lot, um, I would always follow what they're doing and they became, you know, aware of what I was doing, whether it was training for Moab or, or some other race. But yeah, I started using Roctane. Um how long ago was that? Two months ago or so, whenever I started training, two or three. And I mean I loved it. I knew after the Moab two forty that I wanted to start testing, uh, liquid calories because I have such wonky stomach issues that are still undiagnosed, but, uh, solid foods were not working for me. And so I noticed that at Moab, I could get down liquids easy peasy. And so I've started looking into liquid calories and then I started testing Roctane and I was like, Oh my gosh, this might be a game changer for me. And so I've started training it on uh, taking it on long runs. And I absolutely love it. I love that there are so many different tastes and flavors that you can choose from. And then as little treats, like after my run or maybe like towards the end of the run, I'll eat a waffle, and those are oh divine. <laughs> or sometimes I'll have them with co- my coffee, like afterwards too. It's like the little carrot to da- dangle just for that run, <laughs> but I'm absolutely loving it. Um, I used to get their, um, Boone nut butters all the time. Those, oh, the ginger one. Oh, so yes. Cool. Oh, my oh my gosh. gosh. That yeah, they sent- toast with some hemp seeds on top. Oh, yes. I, I know they don't have it anymore. I know. <laughs> Devastated. I'm always the type because I love cooking. I've always loved baking and cooking to try. If I love something, I try to remake it. I try and figure it out from scratch. So I might have to just start figuring it out so I can have it still. Yeah. <laughs> Let yeah. me know if you Next figure it out. Venture. That ginger nut butter was, they sent us like a couple cases of that for one of our camps. Oh my oh. gosh. And there was uh, yeah. leftovers there and people coming back from, yeah, more. people were like showing up at our door. They're like, get any more of that nut butter. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what do you, I got a chai. I got a chai. Yeah. You want a chai? Oh, that um, one's so good. I know they sent us some, so what was that? 2020. I crewed my friend on a run across the country and goo partnered and helped with that. And they gave us a bunch of nut butters and I'm pretty sure I ate all of it. And my runner didn't <laughs> because <laughs> I'd be in the, the RV just kind of waiting and like, well, I gotta eat breakfast too. So <laughs> it's been, what was, um, the weight loss, did you feel the imbalance in the body? Like the, the equilibrium, was that thrown off a little bit? Um, what do you mean? 
So when you were starting to move and you had weight on you and as you continually got the weight off and you were running, did you feel like there was a readjustment period maybe where you're like, oh, well, when I step my foot this way, it's kind of off a little bit off kilter. If there was, it was very, very slight just because the the journey itself was, what was that, like a year and a half. So over that, you know, I would lose, I would be so proud. I lose like eight pounds in a week or something. This was like in the beginning stages, not towards the end. Um, but like, I would definitely notice that I could breathe a little bit better if I was running that same pace and like the next, then the next week or the next month would happen. And my shoes maybe felt better. Or like, I noticed that I lost the shoe size because I had larger feet back then and my shoes and whatever, or my feet and whatever shoes I was wearing, they always just seemed to fit better the farther in the distance I was. So there were these little things that just started happening that made me realize like, Oh my gosh, like people have been living like this the whole time. <laughs> and I have not been, it's like, you guys had it made. <laughs> yeah. I think that probably, you know, you touched on something earlier about, gosh, like if I had the body awareness back then that I do mm-hmm. now, I probably would have been in so much pain. And, and I, you probably just didn't realize how, you know, how terrible you felt. Mm-hmm. And, and the, I'm sure that played into the fact that, you weren't quite queuing into how close you were to having a sudden mm-hmm. death. Yeah. Um, was there a forgiveness process uh, that you went through um, knowing how you feel now and, and all that your body does for you and how it shows up and it was showing up for you so big back then as well, you know, keeping you going, keeping blood pumping, keeping your mm-hmm. heart going. Was there ever a, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Was there ever a forgiveness process that you had to go through with yourself? I think I'm still going through it. I still, cause back then if there was a photo taken of me instantly deleted <laughs> because I just couldn't bear to look at it. I didn't, I didn't want to see myself from other people's eyes. I could barely do that from my own eyes looking in the mirror. And it's something that I, I, I have a folder on my phone, to just go back and look at to remember that person and remember where she was and remember what she was going through. And I think that, 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 loving yourself process of the person I was before is still happening because I'm just now like figuring out how to love myself now. And so it's, I'm feeling like the next step is like, okay, now it's time to look back to see where you were and how far you've gone. So I think that process is kind of like in the beginning stages, but I feel good about it because I know time, everything takes time. And this might be something that takes a couple years. It might take a couple months. I'm not sure, but it is something that I've started to notice that I'm mentally just being aware of thinking of that person back then and just being so thankful for what my body, like you said, was doing back then. It was keeping me alive, even with all the shit that I was doing with it. And it was giving me so much love and I was giving it none. So I think mm-hmm. just thinking about that is a start to the to the process. Yeah, and putting yourself you know, working on yourself now as you are now, that's the most important thing is who you are now and how you're moving forward. And I think as that continues to strengthen and, and you continue every day with this body, um, you know, loving your body, accepting who that girl was, you know, before she helped you get where you are. Mm Mm-hmm. Like without her, there's no, there might not be Western States without her. Right. I know. 
<laughs> and that's something that I was actually thinking about pretty recently is doing, I've been doing these like open love letters to my body and I've been doing them for my body now, but I haven't done one for my body back then. And maybe that's the next, next little thing I post on Sunday. Cause I think that's a great idea, but it is something that is important and it's important to think about because no matter the stage that you're in, whether it's someone right now in their beginning stages or someone who's in the middle, like, like you said, your body is doing so much for you to keep you alive. And it, it, that body back then has gotten me now that body back then got me to the finish line of Moab 240. It's going to get me into at the start line of Western States. We'll see what happens, but, and then hopefully some other big thing this fall, but it, that body back then kept me going and believed in itself when I didn't. And I think that's, that's huge. It's so, it's so important. And I think just like I said, for anyone who might be in that, that stage now, it's so important to be appreciative and to love your body because it's going to show up for you every day. It's going to keep doing what it's got to do to, to go after the dreams that you're going to set for it. Yeah. I love that. Um, around this idea of body inclusivity, uh, I've seen this hashtag and I've seen you use it too, which is, this is a runner's body, mm-hmm. which is really starting to, um, you know, unveil that the, a runner's body is not just, you know, the one that we've been conditioned to believe is so beautiful and strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've noticed this, I don't know how it's, it's too much to call it a revolution, but I've noticed this rise in people with normal bodies, your, your average person's body, your neighbor's body rising up and saying like, this is also a runner's body. This is also a runner's body that is worthy of being on runner's world cover. This is a runner's body that is worthy of being called a professional runner's body. Like this is a runner's body that can do hard things um, no matter its size, no matter its age, no matter its ability and nationality. And I think that's super, super important as we're trying to progress the running industry more and more because, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to work on, but I think this is a great, a great piece to work on for the running industry is, is being more body inclusive to show that everyone is a bot or everyone is a runner, no matter your body. And it's something that I'm trying to, um, work on to change or work on to represent and, and to just help others believe that they are also a runner too. And they also have a runner's body, no matter their body type, no matter their size or age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we all, we just need to move. I mean, we need to move the body and if you're, and it's one of the least expensive things to do, like Mm -hmm. literally you can get a pair of used shoes (laughs) um, and just head out there or no shoes at all. You can start walking and then maybe running. But if you've got that stigma of, I can't do it. If you're already behind the wall of like, I can't look like that. So I can't be a runner. Then you're already selling yourself short. And so it's, it's, it's sort of like a remarketing opportunity for running. It's like a rebranding needs to happen. Yeah. And and if we can start to see that, like, just move the body a little bit more, we can all do it. Maybe we wouldn't just, we wouldn't be fighting these other things that we're, we're working through, like the food system and, mm-hmm. um, and stagnation and, and not mm-hmm. moving. Um, yeah, I think that's really powerful. I think we, we got to continue that rebranding 
hundred percent. And I think it starts with just representation. I think it starts with a lot of these brands representing a runner's body, all runner's bodies. Um, and I, I've seen a lot of, a lot of brands do that. And I think it's amazing because it, the more we say it, the more it becomes a norm. And I would love, my dream is for any body to be on a magazine cover and for it to not talk about a runner's body, for it to talk about like top tips for running, for training for your marathon, for a normal body to show up on another magazine cover and to not talk about like body positivity, but to just move past it and to start talking about what any other magazine cover would talk about if it was the the cliche runner's body. I think getting to that level is like the carrot that we've got to get to. Yeah, like absolutely. That. And I actually think, wasn't it Ultra that started mm-hmm. this started whole it. hashtag? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you catch wind of it? I think, I don't I forgot who I saw posted it, but it was maybe like a year or so ago. And that's those words verbatim weren't in my mind, but that idea had always been in my mind. And I was like, this is genius. Like this is the statement that needs to be talked about and needs to be talked about by so many to just help make it a norm to help progress the the industry because so many people feel like they don't belong or don't feel like, they're worthy of calling themselves a runner because they look a certain way because they're not represented in a magazine or in a social post or what have you, or they don't have a documentary on them. I actually just sent an email about this today. Like the running documentaries that you see on people going after these huge things, it's always about like the elite runner or it's always about super fit looking runners, but it's never about like the mid packer or the backup packer who are also doing this very challenging thing. And they're going to experience, you know, obstacles along the way. And it's going to be a great story, but your average person is never being represented in in a lot of these different spaces. And so I'm trying my best to just to push it and to progressive and help inspire others to go after running because they feel heard. Mm. I love, I love that. And it's actually making me think, and, uh, perhaps you'll want to check it out. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, a woman that used to coach with us, she, um, did, it's a 10 minute documentary on Mm. her return to Lake Sonoma 50. She didn't Mm. make the cutoff in the first one. And it's amazing. It's called more than enough. And it's all about like, Mm. you know, it doesn't matter. It's the finish line's not what makes you enough. Like you're more than enough simply because Mm -hmm. you exist. It's really beautiful. I think you might like it. That'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to somebody who is in the stage of like only running in the dark, um, you know, wearing a long sleeve shirt when it's hot out because they don't feel comfortable with, with Mm -hmm. taking it off. I, I can sit here and say where they are is perfect. And, you know, and to stay curious and to Mm -hmm. not, to not rush anything, but to also be brave. What would you have to say to somebody like that? Because you've been through these phases where you only ran at dark because you didn't Mm -hmm. want anyone to see you. Yeah. I think there's two things (laughs) and they're like ends of the, both ends of the spectrum. One is to just believe in yourself. Like it just starts with believing that you have the ability to, to go after whatever you're trying to go after. If you're just trying to run around the block or if you just want to run your first 5k, it starts with just believing in yourself. And once you start believing in yourself, you start doing it. And once you start doing it, you start building that confidence and you keep doing it and doing it. And then it just becomes a thing. It becomes a normal thing. But I think the hardest part is just starting to believe that you have what it takes to do it, but it might take everything you've got. And I think 
knowing that and believing that because sometimes, you know, we might get into our, into this um, situation where we're like in the middle of our first 5k or in the middle of our first marathon. And you're like, Oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't have anything left to give. Just know that you absolutely do. You just have to believe it might take everything, but you're going to get it done. And then the other end of that spectrum is, and it's something that I've only recently started believing myself is that we're all on this floating rock in the middle of outer space, just living in this weird, weird world. And nothing really matters because we all made the rules up long time ago. So you don't really know how much time you have on this weird rock. So just do it. Who cares? No one cares except for what they're doing themselves. So just go have fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's sort of like, you know, what are we waiting for? Which is what mm-hmm. Heather Jackson was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. what are we waiting for? Like, if you're waiting for that perfect time to feel good that you can go out and run, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I know. I tell people that at work when they're waiting to take vacation time. I'm like, there's never a great time to take vacation. So just do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way to make it work, but just go. You need vacation. <laughs> But I think that's so true. You never know what's going to happen the next day or the next week. So just get out there and start living now. Yeah. I mean, look at you. You just got an entry to Western States. Like, I know. That's so cool. <laughs> and that's how it, I know. That's how it works. Like it doesn't, like we think that there's a way that it must work. And if, and I think it's so important to look at that in, in all aspects of our life. Like, are we going down a road? We're waiting for something to happen because it's got to happen this way. Mm-hmm. Then we are blocking out all the other possibilities that are just waiting to come in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We grip too tightly. Um, signs. Signs. You talked about, I love this. You talked about the, um, the magical inchworm that appeared in the, Mm. on the trail as you were running and, and, um, it sort of reframed things for you in your mind and gave you some perspective. What are are there other signs that you've seen? Oh, I think she needs to tell that story. Okay. People are going to be like, what's the inchworm? (laughs) Yeah. So you can tell the story. Yeah. It was during the, uh, Moab 240. I mean, this was going up the second really, really, really hard pass. And I mean, it was day, maybe getting into day three, I want to say I was tired (laughs) and I'm going, I know I have like a four, 4,500 climb day and getting up to 11,000 feet too. And I'm just like with my boyfriend, Scott, who was pacing me at the time, who's also going to be a Western States. Um, we're going so slow (laughs) that I can see this tiny little inchworm in the middle of this trail. It's probably like, a, like it's the size of a dirt road. So it wasn't like a single track. It was road, tiny little guy. And like classic inchworm style doing this little maneuver across the trail. And I stop and I get down. I'm still regret not taking a picture of this thing. And he is just inching his way across to the other side of that trail. Who, who knows where he's, he's planning to go, but he's trying to get to the other side. And I just like stopped and I was like, you know what, this guy, he's doing it. Like he's actually believes in himself and he, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a shit ton of time for him to get across to the other side of this trail, but he's getting it done. And I was just so inspired in that moment by this little inchworm because he was just making it across one inch at a time, literally. And he became my little like cheerleader or my little uh, spirit animal for the rest of the run. And I still wish I had taken a picture of him. <laughs> yeah, you need a, you need to make a little inchworm. I shirt. know it was like 
he couldn't have like asked for a more cartoony looking inchworm. He was like a pale green, <laughs> just like, oh, it was beautiful. You have glasses on and like a yeah, backpack. exactly. <laughs> Full backpack. He was ready to go. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah. Any other, uh, yeah, just any to other, continue BJ's question. So any other signs like that, that you've seen that you can recall <laughs> that have like maybe, maybe shined a light on, um, a direction to go or a, a path to take? Oh gosh. <laughs> Mm. I can't, I can't think of any at the moment. Well, that's a good one. That's a good good one. one. And the, the brunch having to walk a mile, that's that's kind of a glaring, glaring notification. That was a a great red sign. (laughs) 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 I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's many along the way and there will be oh, many yeah. uh, to come as as we continue to pay attention to life. Yes. Uh, as we begin to wrap this up, I just want to touch upon uh, Verna Volker's organization, the Native Women Running. We had her mm-hmm. on the podcast, episode 255. Just wow. An amazing story. Wonderful. Like so strong. Such a strong mm-hmm. woman. Um, how did you get involved with them? So I discovered that community as I was moving to Phoenix, because I knew that I wanted to um, just dive more into my roots and to just be a part of it in any way possible. And I looked up, I think I looked up native and I think I looked up running and that account popped up (laughs) immediately. And I just started scrolling and looking and I was so inspired by what she was doing and what was happening in this community of these amazing women just coming together and raising each other up through community. And so I just started, you know, like commenting on stuff or liking stuff and just trying to get involved as much as I can. And Verna, uh, we ended up like talking a couple times and I was looking to get into Cocodona. And this is when I like really started a, a conversation with her. But she asked me, she said, I have an entry into Cocodona. Do you want it? And want it um, through Native Women Running? And I was like, absolutely. And so that became like this, I don't know, this gleaming moment for me where I was, I felt so proud and so honored to go into this huge race while representing Native Women Running and just showing everyone out there who might be native or get into long distance running also, but just showing them that it is possible and we do belong in this space and we do have a voice and we, we are worthy of being here just like any of these other people who are here. So it was a great, great moment. And I hope to continue doing more advocacy for them or for rising hearts. Cause that's who I'm partnered with for Western States. And I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, any I, I've been loving just using this, and I hate using the word platform, but using this voice on social media to advocate for things that I actually believe in or that I'm passionate about and just using it to, I don't know, to just help do more good in this world. Mm, love that. <laughs> so wrapping it up, Western States, a couple months away. Terrifying. <laughs> No, I'm excited. I was going to say one word. (laughs) Is it terrifying? I think it's unbelievable. Like it's unbelievable because I'm actually in it. Unbelievable because I'm actually training for this race that I once thought was like, wasn't even real when I first saw it on that, that doctor's table and just unbelievable that it's, it's going to happen. 
And I have a great coach, my boyfriend. He ran it last year, finished 10th place overall. He's running it again and is a running coach and he's helping me. He's giving me all the inside tips and making me go on way too many uphills, but I get it. I know it has a point, (laughs) but it's been, it's been a really great training process so far. And we're both actually doing the crown King, um, scramble 50 K next Saturday, uh, together as a training run also for it. He'll probably win. I'll probably finish close to last, but it'll be a great training run. (laughs) But I would also love to know if there are any couples running, other couples running Western States this year. I thought, I think that would be so interesting. Oh, yeah. All right, audience. Kelly, just put it out to you. Let us know if you know of any couples that are going to be out there. The power couple challenge is smack down. (laughs) Who's who's going to show up? Hey, a long time ago, somebody told us that, you know, couples that play together stay together. And it's, Mm. you know, been over a quarter of a century and we're still going strong. So (laughs) it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Keep having fun. Kelly, this was awesome. So love talking with you. And um, uh, we'll be watching you at Western States and great to be connected with you. Just uh, keep living the demonstration, keep being raw and vulnerable and honest for others because it's so important. It's, it's a shining, it's a shining piece of your strength and keep sharing it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.